Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew, and tonight we are going to discuss the championship weekend, four championship weekend from Homestead Miami Speedway. We're going to break all the races down for you, and we will still do that, but who would have thought that something could have trumped that? Uh, and the news we got on, on Wednesday afternoon did exactly that. Seven time Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson has announced he will retire after the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series season, uh, leaving a major void in that 48 car moving forward. There's a lot to unpack here, Phil. No doubt about it. We'll talk about our predictions of who could drive that car. We'll also talk about what this could mean for Hendrick Motorsports, what this could mean for NASCAR in general. Um, but first, you know, let, let's get this. You know, what was your initial reaction? I mean, to me, you know, Jimmy made some comments earlier in the year about wanting to go to another form of racing. And uh, he said, you know, he can't do that until after next year. And I kind of scratched my head and said, hmm, uh, that means he's going to retire after 2020. So I kind of had a feeling this was going to be it. If you told me he was, you know, since Ally renewed in the middle of the year and you said, oh, he's going to run two more years, I would have said, Okay, um, I kind of understand it in a, in a way. I'm shocked that he did it, but I guess I see it. So now it's official. Jimmy Johnson is going to retire. I'm not shocked just because we've seen so many. You know, Carl Edwards was the biggest shock I've had in a long time, and nothing will ever top that as far as being shocked. Um, but I'm not shocked at all. Jimmy struggled here in this 48 the last couple of years. Uh, but what was, your, what was your reaction, Philip, when you heard that uh, – Jimmy Johnson was going to retire at the end of the 2020 season. Yeah, I mean, I, the, like most people, I was uh, shocked, surprised to hear that uh, Johnson is, you know, calling it quits. But you know, he's basically dictating it. You know, he he sat those days. He's probably been thinking about it for a few weeks. You know, his daughters are getting older, and he in. I think he wants to be able to spend more time with him. He wants to spend more time with Jandy, and, and that's part of it. Uh, I also believe on the performance side and the fact that he hasn't been the same guy that, you know, won seven championships and 83 races and all these things. He hasn't won in two years. Uh, I mean, two and a half years, it's, it's I never thought that that would, that's another thing. Like we've been talking about Hendrick Motorsports and kind of their decline and how it affected Chase Elliott's uh, championship prospects. But second to that is the fact that Jimmy Johnson has become, you know, in in some ways an afterthought in, in, in a sport where for five years in a row he won every championship on six championships in eight years or nine years or whatever, and finish second in one of them, kind of in the same kind of run that Dale Earnhardt had in the three. You know, like that, albeit, you know, different systems, all that, even getting, but the new car coming in uh, the Gen 7, whatever they want to call it, uh, coming in 2021, I think the fact that this rules package probably doesn't suit Jimmy Johnson the way that he likes to drive a race car. Uh, you know, family, uh, all those things came into play. And I also think that he wouldn't have left. He he worked to get Ally to, you know, do this deal. And I think he was, he's working in, you know, in a sense that he's like, look, I'll be, I'll be a spokesman. I'll do whatever. Even in 2021, I mean, I think he wants to do sports cars, and and it's a very real possibility that he'll be able to do that, uh, either in GT or, you know, even in the prototype class. And Ally will be able to get that access there, which is a more world stage. He'd probably want to go run them all. I think he has prospects worldwide. Uh, it's, It's shocking, for sure, but it's definite the after the ripple effects of this move 
happening right now, I think, are going to be lessened because there's more time to prepare and or get in front, get in the front of the line of, you know, who are we going to find to replace, you know, one of the greats. Uh, and that's, I mean, the personal feelings aside about Jimmy Johnson and even Chad Canals, the fact is they're one of the greatest driver crew chief combinations in the history of the sport. You know, seven championships and 81 wins is hard to beat. I mean, basically, you're talking about Richard Petty and Dale Lynn. And the, the, I don't know how many wins. I mean, you split the number of wins that David Pearson had with Holman and Moody and And they didn't even run full season all I mean with the Wood Brothers with the Holman Moody team. I mean, that's where we're talking, you know, in terms of the 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 hardware and the wins and the big wins. So I mean we'll have a retirement tour, you know, it'll be good. It'll be a nice positive storyline in a sport that's devoid of uh and uh hopefully for Jimmy Johnson's sake and for his fan base. Uh, he gets to 84, maybe he gets to 85 and gets past all those legends and gets one last run at a championship to possibly get number eight. Because he definitely hasn't been a factor the last couple of years, which is not, you know, on plan of what he's usually been for all his career. Yeah, and that's the plan. I think they're going to try and run and win their eighth championship over there at that 48 team, and, uh, you know, obviously it's been a real big struggle here. I don't think he makes this decision if he's not struggling, um, you know, and and even when he won his championship uh, in 2016, something didn't seem right there. He won five races. You can say, oh, that's, that's great. But, you know, it was the first time in his, career, in his career he didn't have more than 20 top tens in a season, and he missed the mark by a lot um, with only 16, and that was, you know, he didn't Lead a thousand laps. This wasn't the same old dominant season we saw from that 48 team uh, in the past. He still won a championship, deserves a lot of credit for it, but it wasn't right. And then he went out and won five races, or won three races in 2017, if you remember, very early in the year. And then they dropped off immensely after that. And really, we haven't seen Jimmy Johnson be the same since. Uh, last year, they, they, they didn't win, obviously. And this year, they missed the playoffs for the first time in, in his entire career, and it made me sit there and wonder if, you know, maybe Jimmy was had his better days were behind him. And I think uh, maybe he came to that realization over the last year or so that, uh, you know, he's not really running as well as he should. I know the Camaro gets blamed a lot, but again, you know, 2016, Hendrick Motorsports, that's when their stats started to really take a nosedive. And that was before the Camaro even came to the racetrack. So, um, you know, I think that's got a lot to do with it. It's just the uncompetitiveness. But you touched on it, Philip. Listen, five championships in a row. I don't care what you say about the playoffs and, and how you feel about them and uh, whether or not you think they're they're the right way to crown a champion or not. Richard Petty won a couple of his championships in formats that were, if you did research on, you would laugh about. There was one in the 70s where uh, Daytona and Talladega in the big races paid more points than every other – by like three times in every other race before that, and you could miss the other races. But if you ran good in Daytona, it, it was insane. Uh, and basically, whoever ran in the top five of Daytona 500, I think they said, finished in the top five points that year. Uh, it was ridiculous, but Richard Petty won a championship, yet nobody complained about that when you talk about Richard Petty's seven championships, nor should they, because that was the format he had to run that year. Um, and same thing with Jimmy Johnson. You could say he's been a great equipment his entire career. I understand that. But that run of five championships in a row with, uh, you know, 2006 with the old race car, uh, the, the one that was personally one of my favorites, 2007 they did a blend between the old race car and the, and the car of tomorrow, 2008 was the car tomorrow. If you remember in 2009, they had the wing. They took it off, gave it to uh, – gave a spoiler back. In 2010, they changed the front end of the car. It's just no matter what was thrown and any differences that were thrown out there, Jimmy Johnson, that 48 team, went out, and all they did was win the championship. And it was an incredible, incredible run, something we'll probably never, ever see in this sport again. 
five straight championships. He, whenever you know, you thought for a second, well, maybe this forty-eight team is not, it, and they'd go out and they'd they do it again. Uh, it was incredible to watch. And I know a lot of people don't like him because of the fact that you know he comes from California and he's not really the hometown uh, Southern boy. But listen, there's no denying the guy's talent. I don't care what anybody says. Eighty-three wins. You know, uh, he's gonna ha- he's gonna have. He's got 364 top tens, 36 poles, 227 top fives, seven championships. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, he is a first ballot. And I saw a question on, on a Facebook page, and I laughed. He is, no doubt about it, a first ballot should be a unanimous Hall of Fame selection without question. Uh, people call this the greatest era in NASCAR racing and the most competitive, at least. And Jimmy was able to go out there and do it then. So, um, listen, he's and I honestly think he's part of the reason why we have the, the playoffs the way we do now with the with the four cars in the championship race at Homestead Miami Speedway because all the other formats Jimmy went out and won a championship and NASCAR went well we have to figure something else out because we don't want this 48 to win every year that's how good they were um, and that shouldn't be lost in this whole thing is is you know and we'll, we'll I'm sure uh, next year after home after Phoenix here I go here I go not getting used to the changes but after Phoenix next year. There'll be a lot to talk about, but we'll be talking about Jimmy Johnson's career even more. And, uh, you know, 2020 will be the, the, the cap on it. And it was really fascinating to watch. And listen, uh, just an unbelievable career. So that leads us to our next point here, Philip. Uh, and you always look towards the future with these things. And let's look towards the future of this 48 car. You know, remember uh, this year they, they had a new crew chief in there in 2019 with Kevin Mendering. He was gone after 21 races. They brought in Cliff Daniels, um, and he's the crew chief now of that 48 team, so he's going to go there. sounds like he's going to start the 2019 season with Johnson as his – with Cliff Johnson's going to start the 2019 season with Cliff Daniels as his crew chief. Um, but what about the future of this team? It's funny because when you look – to me, Hendrick Motorsports has done a lot of different things in, in this sport. But one of the things they always never – they always seem to do is they're always prepared for the next move. Whether when Jeff Gordon retired, they always had Chase Elliott to go in there and slide into that 24 car, and everything was great. You know, when they got rid of Casey Kane, they had William Byron to throw in there. Right now, they don't seem to have that driver that is a shoe-in. Sure, I know they signed Daniel Hemrick to run 21 races at Junior Motorsports next season in the Xfinity Series, um, but he's not really a shoe-in. You know, if he goes out there and doesn't win a race, I think a lot of people are going to be going, ooh, I don't know about that. Um, what do you think is the future of this 48 team, and who's going to be the driver? Kyle Larson's a free agent at the end of the year. Um, you know, Noah Gregson's in the Xfinity Series as well. He's a young driver. I don't see him pushing up a net or Allgaier at all, um, although I think Allgaier would do a very good job in that car. What are your thoughts on, on this 48 team in the future and who's going to drive this car in the 2021 season? Yeah, I think uh, Kyle Larson's, uh, you know, name is going to be the uh, main uh main target there, and not only is Hendrick's uh, interest in his services, especially with this move uh, that Jimmy is going to make at the end of 2020, but Tony Stewart will also be interested in him for probably one of two cars. Um, outside of the four car, and I, the 41 doesn't really, I think there's two separate teams. That's for another show. We'll probably get into the way that run, but I think the 14 car uh, is something where Kyle Larson might be in play. Uh, he's the main guy, but they've already tried to go after him at least once, uh, I think, to replace Junebug, and he turned it down. Uh, I think the 5, which is now the 24, or, or the 8, I mean, I don't know how they rebadger it. I can't remember anymore. So the 88, I think, was the 5 car or what became was what the was the five car and the twenty four became the nine and all that and they their way to keep on going with that. But I think that uh, Larson at least once has been in play at Hendrick and he turned it down. But the forty eight's a different story. Uh, I he didn't want to get in the eighty eight, which is like the twenty five, maybe he wants to get in the forty eight. But having to follow a legend you know, I don't know how keen uh, Larson is on that. Uh, I also don't know how how viable or stable the Hendrick Motorsports situation is. Uh, 
Um, outside of that, I mean, they do have stable sponsorship for um, through 2021, so that's a good thing. Uh, outside of that, we talked about it earlier. I mean, Hemrick's in play. It makes the fact that he got canned because they had to because pop off had to keep his grandkids around look pretty good because now he's in a position if he performs very well that he could be in play for that 48 car and he fits he fits a lot of the things they want uh, at Hendrick Motorsports for sure. Um, after that, I mean, I think Allgaier basically went and said it during last week during the championship, you know pressers that is like I'm basically think I'm going to end my career in Xfinity. Now Grant is professional ag- agriculture is willing to come up with him and say oh we'll go and support you in 48 if they all sign off on it. I don't think Justin Allgaier is turning that down. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, Michael Annette, no. Uh, Noah Gregson, kind of like Michael Annette, he has a little bit more talent course, but he's also a daddy-on-time guy. I don't think that's a good move um, for for the organization. You need to have a stable force. Because Chase Elliott is his own entity. He's going to win most popular driver. And that's really what Hendrick Motorsports has become over the past few years, or even further back. Um, going back to Moonbug, uh coming in there in 2008. Uh, this has to be a big hire. This is this is like a this is like Rick Hendrick going and hiring Jeff Gordon in '92, which basically flipped the lid on Hendrick Motorsports. It made Hendrick Motorsports what they are today. That was the decision. That decision he made in '92, stealing Jeff Gordon from Ford and Bill Davis and all that, was a iconic move that now has set Hendrick Motorsports in the stratosphere as one of those legendary organization. He needs that kind of move. Can Kyle Larson be that guy? That's the kind that that's what it seems like to me. I mean, yeah, Ross Jackson's out there. I think Brett Moffitt is the one that is out there because GMS is like going all in with the truck series. Uh, you know, they just signed Zane Smith who was driving the eight car this year. You know, you have Tyler Ankrum who's another young uh, guy, Sheldon Creed, somebody who's like a Chevy uh, protege kind of guy uh, who has who has connections with NASCAR racing and also with a dirt background, which is California guy, just like Jimmy Johnson, Robbie Gordon, all these things. He may be in play. I mean, there's a lot of drivers, mm-hmm. but I think it starts and ends with, with young money. If they can get young money, then then That'll be an interesting thing to see for uh, the future. But after that, I, I really, it's basically young. Right. Yeah, listen, listen. I, I agree with you as far as Larson, if they can get their hands on him. But you also brought up a great point. Uh, you know, there's going to be other teams. You know, Borders on a one-year contract. Now, I don't think Custer's going to go anywhere on that uh, 41 car. But who knows, who knows what happens with Kevin Harvick's future past this season? Um, you know, he might sit there and say 2021 is my final year or 20, you know, you never know um, what what happens. So there might be several teams going out there bidding for Larson services, including Ganassi. Um, but, you know, Chastain's an interesting high guy because I think he's ready to go. I also think the guy ready to go, and I think a dark horse for this ride, is Brett Moffitt. Now, I know you can sit there and say, well, he doesn't have a lot of Xfinity Series, uh, Xfinity Series experience, and that is true. But this guy's running the Cup Series. He's won Rookie of the Year. Um, he's he's done a lot of racing and he's won a lot everywhere he's been he's won um, over there in the truck series so uh, I think he's a guy who can step into that role almost like Alex Bowman where you sit there and you go wow that's kind of an interesting hire didn't really see that one coming although Bowman because of the uh, substitution for Dale Jr. that's really where he picked up his momentum but sort of the out of the box hire for Rick Hendrick not hiring somebody who was in the development deal who had run a lot ton of races with that team with that organization uh, and they went out and got it. But again, you know, with, with Alex Bowman, but again, that, that's what makes this so interesting to me is that there's just not one driver where you sit there and say, oh, yeah, just bring him up. You know, like I said, when Jeff Gordon retired, it was Chase Elliott. You know, and when Mark Martin retired from Hendrick Motorsports and decided to go part-time and go to Michael Waltrip Racing, they had Casey Kane. And not only did they have Casey Kane, they signed Casey Kane 
a year before Mark Martin was even out of the seat, if you remember correctly. Uh, Kane went over and ran a one-year deal with Red Bull Racing, but that was he was basically signed to Hendrick Motorsports because Rick said, I want him to drive my cars next year. Go run for Red Bull, you know, run your gear, but you're coming to me next year. Uh, that's how on top of things Rick Hendrick was. Um, and, and I, it just seemed like you know maybe it's part of it is Junior Motorsports looking for drivers who bring a lot of sponsorship money, but not a, you know might not necessarily be the next in line to take over the 48 car. Um, you know, so that's where I think it, it struggles a little bit. Chevrolet is also at blame, at blame for this too because Toyota has a tremendous uh, youth development movement, uh, young driver development, whatever you want to call it. They do an excellent job in the lower divisions bringing up young kids that are going to fill seats to doing it again in, in trucks next year with um, Rafael Lassard and, and Christian Eckes running the truck series next year for Cobbush Motorsports. Um, it just continue, they continue to just breed young talent over there. And, uh, you know, maybe that's part of the idea here with, with GMS Racing going to five teams. Uh, they're going to have five trucks next year in the, uh, in the truck series. Maybe that's part of it is that they're sitting there going, you know what, we want to get as many young kids as we can and sort of breed them that way. Maybe if we have a seat open, you know, they went and got Gregson from a Toyota team, but Gregson didn't have a great year this year. But maybe if he picks up some momentum next year and Junior Motorsports figures their stuff out, they'll be in a lot better shape. Um, it, it's There's so much to, to think about with this driver. There's not one clear, you know, there's not just not one clear candidate. And, and it yeah. wasn't always that way with Hendrick Motorsports. Um, even like, you know, going back to 97, they had Ricky Craven in there, a nice young driver who everybody knew was really, really good. Uh, they went and got him. They replaced Kenny Schrader. Um, it, it just seemed like, you know, this team just, for whatever reason, you know, can't – there's just not a clear-cut favor. And I think Hemrick's the guy who can do it. If Hemrick goes out there and says, you know what, the 21 races that run at most sports, he goes out and wins four or five of them, you sit there and go, okay, he's the guy. Let's bring him up. And he could drive that 48 car tomorrow with Allied Financial. But I think Larson is the guy everybody's going to be betting for um, if they can because he's – you know, we know the talent he has. We know uh, just how good he is and, and good how good he is at marketing, um, and so we'll see how it goes. You know, it's going to be a, a wild. I think twice this this silly season was was a little crazy, and it was. It got a little crazy towards the end because you know we still don't know who's going to drive um, the 32 car. It sounds like it might be Suarez now instead of LaJoy. But you know, we had some movements, especially towards the end of the silly season with Menard retiring, that a lot of people didn't really see happening. Um, but this 2020 and the 2021 season, it's going to be wild, the silly season there. Um, but I want to look at it from a standpoint of Hendrick Motorsports and then NASCAR as, to, as well, Philip, as far as what, what we can take from Jimmy Johnson retiring. Hendrick Motorsports one is, you know, Chase Elliott's going to be the, the longest tenure driver on that organization after 2021, no matter what happens. Now, Bowman is, is uh, you know, might, might have a little bit more experience than Chase Elliott. Um, and then you've got William Byron, who's a very good young talent. But, you know, you lose sort of your veteran leader there at Hendrick Motorsports with Jimmy Johnson retiring. This was a, a team and an organization that, you know, in 2015 had Casey Kane, Jimmy Johnson, Dylan Hart Jr., and Jeff Gordon. A lot of people were like, they're an old team. You know, now all of a sudden they're going to sort of convert into, depending on who they hired for this 48. To a very young team and a dry, and an organization that's sort of led by Chase Elliott. Now I think Chase's got the the mentality to do it. He's, he's sort of come from the Hendrick Motorsports mold of you know kind of shut up and race, and, and they're very focused, um, clean cut. But you know that's sort of a, a big change in the guard here for Hendrick Motorsports. And as far as NASCAR is concerned, you're losing another star. We've seen so many drivers over the last five, ten years, over the last five to six years that are big-name drivers who have won a lot of championships, call it a career here, and Jimmy Johnson's another one. Uh, what about the impact on NASCAR and the impact on Hendrick Motorsports? I mean, the impact on Hendrick Motorsports is huge. I mean, we've been spending a good amount of this program talking about what Jimmy Johnson means, what, <clears throat> who can replace him. No matter who replaces Jimmy Johnson, you're not, you, you can't, you can't mirror, you know, 83 and 7. You know, it's the same way as I really don't believe 
Jeff, they have been able to replace Jeff Ward. And it goes, it goes back to my previous. The guy was one of the greatest NASCAR motorsports drivers, period. 93 wins, four championships, and who knows if he had stayed with Ray Evernam, what they would have done. Who knows? There are so many questions about Jeff Ward. You know, the way the point systems change and all this stuff. But I don't think they've replaced Jeff Ward. And they don't have anyone that stands out that can replace Jimmy Johnson. And it's a problem. Uh, Chevrolet uh, has lost their way. I mean, you made you mentioned it earlier, like the driver development. They do have young talent, but they're not moving them off or they're, they're moving elsewhere. They're doing things. This hire is a big hire. Uh, I look at the way that, you know, we're going to discuss the races here in a minute, but I look at the way that RC behaves when he when, when he's around Tyler Reddick, the amount of positive, the praise, and the way he talks about Tyler Reddick and the way he looks at Tyler Reddick and the ability he has and what and the energy he has for him, that's the first time that RC has looked that way in years. And to me, Chevrolet needs to really look at, you know, putting energy behind Tyler Reddick. Because the fact is Brad Keselowski picked him up from the dirt modifieds and whatever, dirt late model ranks and put him in a truck. And, you know, he did all right. And he's got an X and E car. He did all right. And then this year he took off. Uh, they need to get behind him. They need to get behind Ty Larson. And, and and I know Ganassi has Ross Chastain there if, if Kyle Larson leaves. He knows that Kurt Busch is only going to do two more years. So worst case in two more years, and he'll have, have Ross Chastain. But I think Chastain deserves a cup shot at this point, is sooner rather than later. It's a problem because, you know, first it was Jeff, then it was Tony, then Junior. And then, what, Latin set, what is it, in 18, there wasn't anybody extreme or whatever. And then now, we've had a couple of years where there hasn't been, like, major time now talking about Jimmy Johnson. You know, it happened back in the 80s, you know, when all the legends, those legends started going by one by one with Pearson Yarbrough and, you know, like, Benny Parsons, uh, you know, Neil Bonnet. Before I mean, he had to basically retire because of the injury. But then, you know, like you think about all these guys that are in the '70s and the '80s, Buddy Baker. You know, they all kind of went away in the '80s. And Richard Petty, most famously, too, but he hadn't won in eight years. So now, in this day and age, you can the age and the fitness and all these things they do, they're capable of going longer. But what's being asked of the drivers? is way more, which is, I think, as much or more to do with why some of these guys are leaving, because it's taking away from their families. It's taking away from their time to be dad and also be a good race car driver, which it takes a lot more because of how tough the sport has become. And, you know, Kyle Busch is 34, 15 years old, and he's been running since he was eight, 16 years old in major NASCAR series. And he has, he's still going, and he ain't going to stop. So you have to think about that. You know, if Kyle Busch is, may have not even hit his peak yet, like Junebug was saying and the way they're talking, how are you going to compete against him? You know, and a lot of these veterans are like, well, you know, do I have it in me to keep on going this way? No. It's a problem for NASCAR to try to replace, especially in the, climate that we're in right now with the way the sport is and where things are. It's going to be a really difficult time. It's Harvick, once Harvick goes, it's going to be a problem too. Uh, Kurt Busch and Harvick here in the next couple of years are also going to be gone. And then there's going to be a void. There's a huge void in terms of leadership as it is right now, uh, in terms of people who have a voice and people who actually make things happen. Uh, but with Johnson leaving, it's just following this path of all these legendary drivers. And um, 
I mean, for Hendrick Motorsports, it basically is they have to hit this higher, and this higher has to be able to perform. It doesn't, as much as Rick Hendrick likes the paycheck, all the checks he gets for the trinket sales, Hendrick Motorsports is about winning, not about trinket sales. That's why his whole entire, he has a whole shop full of cars of all these wins. Everybody knows Hendrick Motorsports is a winner, you know, and they need to get back to that at a, on a regular clip. And uh, that's where getting somebody to replace Jimmy Johnson that's elite or can be elite is a big deal. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, I agree with you. I think, Hendrick, when you talk about not being able to replace Jeff Gordon, I think that's a lot to do with it. I think that's got a lot to do with why they haven't won as many races. Um, and it just seems like they haven't been able to do that. Yeah, I mean, and that's not an easy chore at all. It's not like, you know, you can sit there and go, well, how come they haven't done it? It's just like, well, they haven't done it because it's just so difficult to find somebody who could be, who has that talent because nobody lets them get away. Um, and maybe that's why Larson, a guy who a lot of people look at as somebody who's got that talent uh, and could potentially be a free agent next year, um, you know, a lot of people are going to be fine for that for him because of that reason. So, yeah, it's really interesting. NASCAR, on the other hand, you know, you bring up good points. It's happened before. You know, Yarbrough, Pearson, um, you know, just so many guys in the 80s retiring in the 90s there, Richard Petty in 92. Um, and, you know, we had kind of a, a change in the, in the guard there. And it always happens. Seems about every 10 years, a bunch of guys retire. Um, but really, we've had a lot of big-name guys retire over the last five years. And uh, we've had a youth movement. You look at a lot of the, the teams, you know, um, a lot of drivers are now under the age of 35. You got uh, Kozlowski, who still fits in that category at, at Penske. You also have um, you know, Blaney and Joey Logano, who are all under that category. You know, uh, and Di Benedetto also, who's going to be driving a 21 car. So that's a, a three, four car team, whatever you want to call it, uh, with three, four drivers under the age of, of 35. So, and that's just an example. Um, you know, Joe Gibbs is is the same way. Kyle's under 35. You know, uh, De- I'm not sure. I don't think Denny's there yet, but Denny's either way, you know, they have a lot of, yeah. So they have a lot of drivers who are younger with, uh, you know, um, uh, Bell and Truex is a little old. Truex yeah. a little older, but they but Toyota breeds drivers like crazy. But um, it's just to me, it's a young man's sport now, and uh, you know we don't see drivers hanging on longer than than 44, 45 years old now. Uh, you know, like we saw when Bill Elliott won in 2002, 2003 there, he was like 46, 47. You know, Earnhardt was 47, was 50 when he died, 49 years, almost 50 when he died. Um, so, you know, he was still winning races up up until, you know, the year before. Um, so it was, it's sort of a different sport now. Um, and it's just a lot, like you said, it's a lot more demanding of the driver physically, mentally. And you can understand how somebody gets burnt out now. You really can. I mean, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid, and I, I still love NASCAR, don't get me wrong, but when I was a kid and I didn't understand how people could get burned out of a job, I was like, man, if I was running, I'd run forever. I would run until I was 90, until they pulled me out of the race car and said, you can't run anymore. But nowadays it's completely different, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's just – I'm sure it's mentally, physically – you know, you only get uh, – you know, people already count down to Daytona. And what were we, 88 days, 87 days? I don't even know until Daytona 500. But for these teams and drivers, you know, they only got about 75 days, and they got to go, go to Daytona and get ready for speed weeks. So uh, it's it's kind of a short break compared to the other sports in in in, uh, in the country. It's a it's an extremely short break, so you can understand how guys get burnt out a little bit. But I think we have enough drivers now where Jimmy Johnson where Enough young drivers now, Chase Elliott carrying, carrying, and I think with the young drivers just on his popularity, where the sport will be okay. Um, you know, I like Ryan Blaney. I think he's a very good young talent. Uh, you know, I mentioned Logano. Kyle Busch is still going to be here. I think Kyle Busch, you know, he's going to be one of those guys where I think Kyle Busch can run until he's 50-something years old. He's, he's just loves racing that much. Um, so he'll be around for a while. I think Hamlin's still got a couple, a bunch of years left in him. Uh, same thing with Truex because he's running good, and it's the best time he's ever run in his career. So it's not like we're going to completely um, lose all the guys who are who are winning races, uh, but it, it's certainly going to have a different look to it um, in 2020 with Jimmy Johnson announcing his retirement. 917-889-8280.
And we have a caller here on the line. Uh, it's Lee in Virginia. Hello, Lee. Uh, you want to talk about Jimmy Johnson's retirement? Yeah, yeah. And I, I just wanted to join in on the conversation of, uh, you know, what the possibility and the outlook is for Hendrick Motorsports. And just I like the conversation also about uh, the face of the next, you know, the next faces of the sport. And I think it's, you know, we saw a a not a decline, but a, yeah, I guess a decline in quality young race car drivers over the last four or five years to come into NASCAR. And, you know, and we're talking about the Gander Outdoors Truck Series. We're talking about the Xfinity Series as well. Yeah, we had some guys like Christopher Bell and Eric Jones and all that. But then you've had a lot of ride buyers, what we call ride buyers, people that, you know, buying rides and, and uh, you know, maybe not necessarily had the talent. We're getting good rides over talented drivers. And, you know, we're going to be at a place here in a couple of years where, you know, Clint Boyer, you guys didn't mention he's he's only 39 or 40, but he's going to be in a pretty decent spot if he wants to keep going here for another four or five years because there's just not a lot of young talent there. You know, Stuart Haas Racing right now has just promoted Cole Custer, um, and Kevin Harvick's only going to run two two more years. What are they going to do when that happens? Uh, and then especially if Larson goes to the, 80, or the 48, um, you know, Bowman hasn't really lit the world on fire in the 88. He deserves another year, but there's a, you know, then you go and go, okay, where are these guys going to go when Kurt retires? Could that be Chastain's ride? If Larson leaves, could that be Chastain's ride? Okay, let Chastain's taken off the table. Then you look at it and go, well, geez, where do these guys go? Daniel Hemrick is a guy that you could throw in there, but he hasn't won in the Xfinity Series. So it's been, uh, there hasn't been a lot of good quality young drivers to come through here. It, not like we saw 10 years ago where, you had a lot of great young talent. You didn't need money to be brought with you to earn a ride. The teams had the money, and they would sign you to a development contract. That's not the way it's worked the last four or five years, and I think that's what you're seeing here. I think it's a fair point for sure. I think that's part of the reason, like you said, uh, why maybe Hendrick doesn't have a, a, a driver um, lined up to take over uh, that 48 car next season. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's an extremely fair point. I'm hoping that, you know, that'll change in the truck series here with with the Elmore engine trucks. By the way, I mean right now, and and not everything's set in stone there. And I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that's still going to be coming out. But right now, the truck series for uh, 2020 looks extremely competitive. When you have GMS with five trucks, Cobb with Motorsports announcing their plans, Hattori announcing their plans. Um, we haven't even gotten David Gilliland's team's plans yet, or uh, you know Thor Sports' plans yet. Uh, we already—it's going to be a, an extremely competitive season in the Gander Outdoor Truck Series, Gander Outdoors and RV Truck Series next season. Um, it's going to be a wild, wild year. So that's something promising because a lot of those guys are younger guys. Um, I think that's a good thing for like a guy like Brett Moffitt who's won some races uh, in that series and is still relatively young. Um, Lee, just want to get your opinion on on the championship races here before now that we can move on. Um, you know, I thought the show on Friday was decent. You know, I'll, I'll give my opinion on Matt Crafton here in a little bit winning that championship. Um, and I thought Saturday was tremendous. Sunday had left a lot to be desired um, with that package. What were your thoughts on on the overall uh, on championship weekend? Then we'll go to Philip on uh, championship weekend. Um, as far as the racing we saw? Well, I'd say that the Xfinity race was hands down the best one. I'd say the cup race was probably second, and the truck race was third. Uh, Austin Hill and Hattori Racing brought in a, a, an incredible truck, and there was really no passing at all in that Gander Outdoors Truck Series race at at a uh, homestead on Friday night. And, you know, it, it comes down to why are we – you know, I understand we want to get the, the, the 10% of the fan base on the West Coast to turn in and watch this thing. But why are you starting these races at these intermediate tracks where tires fall off at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when by the time the night falls, you're not, you don't have to worry about anything. You know, the, the, the conditions don't change. Uh, you know, in the afternoon when it's hot and these tires are going to wear more and more, that to me is when you should be starting a race. And it's, I know it's television. I'm not blaming NASCAR. It's television. But NASCAR does make the ultimate call on that. And I think I look at that and I say, how can you get away with starting these races at, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon on the east coast um especially this late in the year when you know you're, it's getting dark at five five thirty six o'clock at night um that's what to me that's what the biggest factor was was by the time the night fell on these races 
the track the track you know didn't change and and the tires didn't fall off enough and uh th- that's what the big deal was for me i think if you started it in the early afternoon noon one o'clock in the afternoon the race would have been much different especially on the cup side which is a much longer race philip what were your thoughts i know you we talked a little bit earlier about uh the the cup series race but what about the truck race on friday and the xfinity race on saturday i mean i don't think anybody can complain about the xfinity race on saturday it was tremendous um, but and oh, the yeah, cup race yeah. on Sunday. What were your thoughts on the uh, on the action we saw on the racetrack? Yeah, Lee has a good point for sure on the later starts. I mean, I go back to the '90s. We're talking about the '92 uh, Atlanta race, and that was started at 12:45 in the afternoon. Uh, it's still remembered as one of the greatest races ever. Uh, you know, like all those races back in the day. At this point of the year, we're started in the middle of the day. And until, you know, 2001, most races were started at 1 o'clock or 1.15 or 12.45 or whatever. Nobody cared about football because we weren't going against football. And we still aren't going against football. Uh, that was, I mean, minus the fact that bad year can't make a decent hire, you know, that might have helped uh, the overall product on Sunday. You know, that they, you wouldn't know that anybody that wasn't the final forward there outside of Kyle Larson, unless there was a caution and there was pitting going on, um, that wasn't good. Uh, it's basically how they handle all the series, but at least with the Xfinity series, there was an ability to pass, an ability to move with more horsepower. You kind of have to have a fall off because then you have downforce. And yes, it went in later into the day. But at least there was some raceability there. You know, there was abilities for the driver, even non-Final Four guys, to actually make something happen. Uh, the truck race, yeah, I, I, it wasn't compelling by any stretch of imagination. Uh, Austin Hill and that 16 team uh, were ruining the fact that that previous round went the way it did because we would have had no problem. It would have been a, it would have been a non. Uh, it was, no competition. There was no competition. Nobody could have that. Um, but I think that's a lack of horsepower plus downforce thing that's similar to the Cup Series. Uh, that probably is part of the reason that really affected the racing there. But I guess we'll talk about that more in detail as now that we're talking Yeah, for sure. I think uh, it was there was a lot of stuff to take on, and I, I like the fact that Lee brought up the uh, the night racing as far as temperatures going down, um, and that could be a reason why we saw the races um, just being lackluster, I guess you can say. Um, interesting note, and I don't want to get in too far into this because it's just speculation right now, but interesting note that this talk on Reddit, I read today that the series um, NASCAR's 2021 schedule might end uh, sometime in September, September October instead of November, so that's something to keep an eye on uh, as well. Lee, thanks so much for calling in and giving your insight. Uh, Be sure to call again sometime soon. No problem. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. Um, So I want to get on to the the championship races here quick, Philip. You know, obviously we can go into a lot of different – you can – we can go all night and – dissect these races and who did what. I mean, obviously the, the big thing was, you know, Martin Trick Jr.'s team uh, putting the tires on the wrong side. That really hurt any chance he had at winning the championship. But um, Kyle Busch being the champion in the Cup Series, we'll start there uh, with Martin Trick Jr. second, Kevin Harvick coming home in the fourth spot. And then, you know, we talked about uh, Martin Trick Jr. and his struggles. Um, he was second, just runner-up to Kyle Busch there. And like I said, Harvick fourth. And then you had uh, Denny Hamlin in 10th. Those are the four championship drivers. Um, what did you think about Kyle Busch winning the championship? I mean, he of the big of the guys who advanced he, lately, he was a, uh, one of the drivers who hadn't run as well. But I think a big part of what people are missing with this championship is, you know, Kyle earned a lot of stage points and a lot of playoff points early in the season. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, he went through a little bit of a lull. But that's really what got him in the homestead. Uh, and he was able to capitalize when he got his opportunity. What were your thoughts on Kyle Busch winning that championship? 
Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, you know what? He earned the right to get to this Final Four the way he did. He did not have a great, you know, first nine races of the playoffs. But literally at the start of the second stage, something clicked. He switched. It was like a light switch, and Kyle Busch became what, you know, he generally has been in for a lot of the regulars, for a good part of the regular season, at least going through June, and, uh, you know, what he does in other series. And he was the best, best car out there. And you have to give credit to Kyle Busch. I didn't think he was, the way he looked at Phoenix a week ago, more than a week ago, the way he was behaving after finishing second, I didn't, I didn't think he go out there and do it. So good for him, good for Adam Stevens. He's now a two-time champion. He has 56 wins in the Cup Series. He wants to win 100, um, win five championships. And based on how all these things are kind of setting up, they're setting up in a way that it would probably be in the favor of Kyle Busch doing those things. Um, but once you get to about 80 wins, that's where it gets really difficult. Once you get to once you start flirting with the Earnhardt number, that's when you really have to. Too, but you know, credit to him, credit to Adam Stevens. He's one of the best. He's in the conversation. He isn't considered the best crew chief in the sport. Uh, this performance, the way they performed in the regular season and point accumulation over an entire season, utilizing the stages, stage wins, and those playoffs to go and give themselves a buffer. So even though mm-hmm. they did not have the smoothest ride to Homestead, they could get to Homestead and go and dictate uh, how this went. Um, there are other things we go into. We probably will have to do it again in next week. But, you know, credit to him. I mean, in, in, in the two guys that were most likely going to give him the problem through themselves, the, the 19 uncharacteristic, like, weird mistake that probably destroyed the front end of his race car that took away the downforce that he needed, Martin Truex was spent the rest of the day trying to get back up there. And then Denny Hamlin, they tried to put a piece of tape and they overheated the car of the engine. And that was it. And they didn't throw a caution. Yep. So that basically called it, that was the end of it. Kevin Arvick had a great car for about 10 laps. And uh, that was it. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. uh, 14. So that's where that opened. Yeah, those those tires really hurt Truex. I don't care what anybody says, and I heard other people say, "Oh, Truex was leading that first stage and and led and lapped up to about the top 15. He was unbelievable that first stage, and and then all of a sudden they put the tires on, uh, and on incorrectly, and all of a sudden and he just dropped, um, you know, not dropped to where he was dropping positions, but the times on the racetrack dropped where. Uh, he was not nearly as fast as he once was. NASCAR Xfinity Series race on Saturday night for EcoBoost 300 at Homestead. Uh, listen, this was three drivers. This season was really about three drivers, Tyler Reddick, Cole Custer, and Christopher Bell, ironically, all moving up to the Cup Series next year. Um, but And that, that's really what it came down to uh, at the end of, of the Xfinity Series race as well. Reddick was able to go win back-to-back championships uh, by taking Homestead Miami Speedway for Richard Childress Racing. Uh, Custer, great run in second. Bell ended up fifth in, in kind of a out-the-lunch day from uh, Justin Allgaier in 14th. But I think, you know, nobody, no disrespect to him, but I don't think anybody really gave him uh, a much chance against those three other guys because they were just so much better than everybody. Um, what were your thoughts on Reddick winning the championship quick, Phillip, and uh, and the other guys and, and what they did? But I thought it was the best race of the night, and it was really a lot of fun to watch those guys duel out for the championship. Yeah, that was that was the main thing. The main takeaway was those three guys, they've been built up the whole year, and they delivered on Saturday in front of about 20 people at Homestead. Uh, I mean, that was a great race. Uh, and Tyler Reddick just went out there and did what he did a year ago, except there was more meaning to it, you know, that now he's going to be a cup driver. He's driving for an owner that really – wants him there and all these kind of things. And Cole Custer, I mean, he had a good car, but he definitely didn't have as good of a car as he had a year ago, uh, where he probably could have won that. And then Christopher Bell, he had a car that 
at times was the best. But then once he got into traffic, things happened, pit stops, all that, it kind of went away. He made a miss. That was the one thing that screwed Christopher Bell was that I think he, he missed pit road on one of the sequences under the green flag, and that kind of set him back. Um, which he made. There, there were some errors he's made during this playoff that, you know, that might have been the difference. Uh, but I don't think he would have beat Tyler Reddick. There's just something about him instead and the way Tyler Reddick drives. And I hope for Richard Childress' sake and for people who are Chevy fans and whatever, that they give this good support because this dude is really good. And uh, he's got a lot of potential, and he's, he's somebody to watch. I mean, he might bring out a lot of yellows next year, but it's not going to be for a lack of trying. <laughs> He's going to try to get the absolute most out of that eight car uh, next year in the Cup Series. And it's going to be the best rookie battle in I don't know how many years. It's the most interesting rookie battle in a lot of years. So it'll be uh, nice to see all those guys move up uh, uh, battle it out. And probably, I think, there'll be at least one or two more in that as well. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him go and, and battle, like you said, for the Rookie of the Year championship next year. Maybe be as interesting as the championship run was this year. Moving to the Truck Series, Ford EcoBoost 200 Friday night at Homestead Miami Speedway. Uh, it ended up Austin Hill that the majority of the race was, was tremendous all night long. Um, he won the race for, for Tory Motorsports, for Tory Racing, but the championship went to Matt Crafton. Crafton finished second. Ross Chastain finished fourth. Brett Moffitt fifth, and Stuart Friesen, who took the pole in the race, ended up 11th. Uh, so he finished fourth in the standings. Um, this is perhaps the biggest controversy. Crafton hasn't won a race on asphalt since 2016. And, you know, I had a lot of people come up to me, and I was very vocal on Twitter uh, about this. And I had a lot of people on Twitter say, oh, well, he was consistent. To me, Crafton wasn't very consistent this year. Uh, he was he hadn't had a top five finish before Homestead. He hadn't had a top five finish since Texas in June. Um, and you know there was a lot of things that went on. And to me, this this format doesn't really work in the Truck Series that well. Maybe they should trim it down to three guys in the play in the final race at Homestead. But you know, I'm not trying to. And Matt Crafton is one of my favorite drivers in this series. It pains me to say this about him because uh, I like him. I think he's a good talent. I think he's a nice guy. Um, I love that he's a Ford. I'm happy Ford won the championship to, in the in the Truck Series. But I just felt Philip uh, on Friday to me that Matt Crafton winning this championship. There was something just just that just wasn't right about it, especially because you know. And I brought up this point. You could make the argument that. Austin Hill had a better year this year than Matt Crafton in the truck series. Ross Chastain had a better year. Brett Moffitt had a better year. You can make the argument Johnny Sauter had a better year. You can make the argument Grant Enfinger had a better year. You can make the argument Stuart Friesen had a better year than him. And the list goes on and on and on. So to me, um, I just it, – it, it was a hard pill to swallow on Friday seeing Matt Crafton celebrate for the championship considering – he didn't win a race, and he wasn't very consistent all year. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing that, you know, we almost had that in the Cup Series when Ryan Newman uh, finished second in the 31 car, uh, basically when he swapped rides with Kevin Harvick, uh, where it would have been somebody that generally wasn't a fast of the year, but just kind of, you know, made it in, made it in and then got to the spot and finished second. Kevin Harvick wins that championship, but they swap spots. Ryan Newman wins the championship. It would have been one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I wouldn't have been happy. It would have been funny on the one hand. I'm like, oh, my God, Ryan Newman. But I, I thought Matt Crafton had a chance to actually go out there and win. I think he wanted to go out there and win and validate uh, this championship. The reality is Ross Chastain had a truck that could have won the championship earlier in that race, and, and they let it go. I don't know what happened to them. Uh, during pit stops, what they did, they just messed up the handle, and he couldn't get back up there. 
reason early in the race was all right, and then they kind of got away and they made the mistakes that are kind of, you know, part and parcel for what has set that team back. And he seemed kind of, you know, uh, sanguine about it, you know, like he doesn't know where he's going to be with the fact that now GMS is doing the four full-time trucks. I wonder if that team is going to exist because they're getting that full GMS support. Or and then you know you think about East Motorsports, they were getting getting GMS support as well, and they don't have anything in them either. So that might have been the last hurrah for both of them, and that's disappointing. I'm not gonna go and rag on Matt Crafton for playing the system. Uh, it's what NASCAR has done. They've been trying to force Tony Stewart to Carl Edwards in 2011 which is why they have this system in a way. Um, you know, they change the system multiple times. I heard that early, like, try to keep Johnson. It didn't work. Uh, he won through multiple systems. Uh, for the truck series, the reality is they have the least amount of vehicles that make it in, and they might have the most competitive uh, field to get into that. And that's where Cup and Xfinity have to get to. You basically should reduce the field to 10 or 12, 10 and 12 in, in cop and then maybe or make six eight and ten make it really make it really intense so that these races some of these random races really matter and that homestead you have you make it make it mono mono make it one-on-one and if one of them doesn't win but the other person if you're top two and you've really done something then you can't really discuss it it would have been Brett Moffitt versus Ross Chastain I think it would have been Friesen versus Brett Moffitt. And then if it's Brett Moffitt finishes fifth versus well, Friesen, you know, it, it, we probably wouldn't have been happy, oh, he finished fifth, but I think more people would have been able, it would have been more palatable because, you know, Brett Moffitt had been probably the best truck in the second half of the season overall, and he'd won multiple races in the playoffs. But, it's an unfortunate byproduct of the way NASCAR wants to do things. And, you know, Austin Hill had that chance. If he had run better at Phoenix and Martinsville, he would have been there and he would have won the race. And a guy who nobody knew who that he was getting into Daytona this year would have won the championship for a team that got rid of a guy who probably was better than him and just had like five races less sponsorship. But, you know, for Matt Crafton, now he's going to the Hall of NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, the fact that his third championship was probably the least uh, impressive of the three, so be it. But he's going to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So uh, credit to them, credit to Thor Sport, uh, Duke and Ronda Thorson. They've been great uh, supporters of this truck series for 20-plus years, going back to Terry Cook. Um, and they've been with Matt Crafton for so long. Menards has sponsored him for a long time. And we'll see what happens in 2020. But it, it, I'll tell you what, he can't run the way he ran this year and expect to make the playoff next year, I'll tell you that, because of how deep this year looks like it's going to be. Uh, and if he's going to go and defend it, and he's going to go and try to go for four and join Ron Hornaday, and, and that'll be something. Yeah, he's really going to have to win it next year. Next year in this truck series, I mean, we had a lot of drivers in this truck series this year who you could say, well, you know, they they, they were good. But to me, this truck series next year is going to be uh, – it, it was like this year, it was almost like, you know, it was brewing, and we had a lot of drivers who were needed to learn. Well, next year, you know, <laughs> we haven't even heard what DGR is going to do yet. And I, there's rumors they're going to Ford, and they're going to have multiple trucks there. So we haven't even heard what's going to happen there. So that's going to be wild to hear. Uh, you know, Thor Sport, we don't know what their plans are. Ben Rhodes is kind of up in the air. I bet you Crafton will be back, like you said, probably. Um, I think Enfinger will probably be back as well. I think Sauter's going to be back there too. Who knows what goes on with Ben Rhodes. But um, it, it's going to be a very, very competitive season in the truck series. And personally, I can't wait for that series to start. Uh, but I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight. Philip Matthews done a great job all year for us. Uh, and Spencer Cowan as well. Um, we will see you after the Thanksgiving holiday. Not exactly sure when, um, but we're going to take next week off for sure. Uh, and, and so everybody enjoy the holidays. Be safe. 
out there, and uh, we'll come back to you shortly. Be on our lookout for on our Twitter on our, and on our Facebook page um, for the next show times, and we'll be here and hope to take you in through the off season uh, with a few shows. Maybe not as many, maybe not as week to week, to week at, like we do now, but maybe two or three to get you through the off season, get you prepared as we get into ready for Daytona and ready to speed weeks. 2020, hard to believe we are already there in the 2020 year um, in, as far as NASCAR is concerned. Uh, again, I want to thank Philip Matthew for a great year, Spencer Cowan as well, uh, everybody that contributes to the show. Good job, and, and we'll see you again soon. Good night, everybody.